chapter 40. It says um, in verse 29, He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And that's what the Lord had us doing right there was waiting on the Lord. So, you know, you might think, well, you know, what's going on? Nothing's happening, but it is. Your strength's being renewed. Amen. In fact, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, they're receiving strength for 2004. They're receiving strength for a whole year. Transmission of strength was going on from the, from the spirit realm. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So you know it pays to be in church. You got strength for the whole year tonight. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, praise God. We're going to... God wants to do some things tonight. Hallelujah. 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 God wants to say some things tonight. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. Maybe we'll pray here in a little while. I don't know. I want to, and we'll see if that's how the Holy Spirit leads. It's my desire to, and we'll see. if. But we'll just accomplish all that he wants us to tonight. Amen? I got several things to say tonight, lots of stuff to say. I'm depending on you. You need to draw it out of me tonight. You need to draw, because there's things that the Holy Spirit won't said, a lot of stuff. Um, a lot of things that will help us prepare and be ready for 2004. A lot of things that will help us, you know, close out the new year correctly. There's two things I want to say to start off with. First of all, I want to... Uh, uh, the Holy Ghost got on to me about last Sunday night, not about the whole thing, but about one thing I said, not that it was wrong, but he said you need to clarify it. Because I said last Sunday night, I said uh, how much we loved how God had put us in this building and how this location, we just love this location. And, and that's the truth. I mean, I did tell the truth. But the Holy Spirit just quickened me and just got on to me right away when I got in the car and said to, that I needed to tell you and inform you that just because we love it does not mean uh, that, that this is the final plan that God has for this church as far as this county. And I just didn't, I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, you know, uh, in these last days, things can happen so quickly that you can say something one week, oh, we love our location, and the next week say, well, you know, God's opened a door, and <laughs> not, you know what I'm saying? Things can happen quickly in these last days. And so in the one of the things that uh, the man of God spoke over us two years ago before uh, actually, right as we were getting this building, actually, we had bought this building, but we had not moved in. And this man did not know us. We had never been in one of his meetings before. He did not know us from Adam. His name is Tracy Harrison. He's from Texarkana, Texas. And he called us out, and he said, uh, Kevin, you can sit down. Y'all can sit down. We're going to preach. Hallelujah. <laughs> anyway, um, he called us out, and he said, um, uh, he said, He's, what did he say? Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, first of all, he talked about this building. I mean, he said, and, you know, he didn't even know we I th were getting a new building that I know of. Anyway, we were, in the, we were in the minister's room with him before the service. And so something may have been said about new building. I'm not sure. But he knew nothing else about us. And so he said the, the rain, he saw the rain fall in our building from corner to corner. And, you know, that was an unusual to, he said it started in one corner, and you know, and, and then went from corner to corner and so you know no, he had no way of knowing that the pulpit's in the corner which is not the typical church to put the tip pulpit in the corner anyway one of the things he said to us is he said uh, to, not to slow down once we got in the, our new building he said uh, to uh, he said uh, to ask yourself, and of course it seems so contrary, but hallelujah, when, when circumstances are contrary, you just don't consider the circumstances. Hallelujah. That's what, uh, that's what Abraham said he considered not. Hallelujah. He considered not. Jesus uh, considered not 
the contradiction, Hebrews says. So we just don't consider the contradiction. But he said to prepare. This man of God said for us to prepare. He said, uh, once you get in that building, don't just say, he said, ask yourself, what would you do next? Where would you move if you had to move again? That's what he said. He said, what would you do if you had to go to multiple service and services? And then he said, prepare it now. Prepare it now. So even now, we're preparing in prayer. That's the only way we know to prepare it now, except to, we added this building on. Really, that word from that prophet of God witnessed into our heart what we already had in our heart. When we moved in, we said, hey, this church needs nursery and children and restrooms. And so, But that word caused us to move forward quickly where we probably would have said, you know, we just bought this thing. Let's pay a little while before we go. And so we did that as a church. We acted. We added that. That whole part one of the things we know to do now is to prepare the upstairs because I mean it's unprepared so we need to prepare it right prepare it now that's what he said lest the nets break lest the nets break prepare it now so we know to go ahead and prepare the top upstairs um Actually, Pastor and I have been trying to pray out how to prepare it. Prepare it one big room, prepare it several little rooms. How do you prepare it? So we're asking the Holy Spirit those things, and we're preparing. But he said, ask the, ask the Holy Spirit, if you had to move again, where would you move? See, because this building, this this land and the the land that's available won't contain the harvest of 5,000 people. God has spoken to us that before Jesus comes back, there will be 5,000. I mean, he gave, he gave a scripture and verse last year for 5,000. Well, we're landlocked. We're landlocked. I mean, there is some land here, but some of this back here is not, well, I don't know. Maybe I, You'd never say something's unusable because they take stuff, you know. They can take a bulldozer and do fantastic things if you can buy enough dirt, you, you know. And so we won't, but, but we're locked over here. We're landlocked on this side. So anyway, all I'm saying is, uh, based on what I said, don't misunderstand that, there, that I, we don't know, but we're going to follow the Holy Ghost, and there might be transitions in days ahead. Hallelujah. So that, that was one thing needed to be said tonight. Hallelujah. And what was the other thing? It'll come back to me as we go. Oh, I know what it was. You know, the word of the Lord for 2003 was completely free in 2003. And the Lord just wants me to tell you that you got free in 2003. But sometimes we don't know we're free. But we are free. And the anointing of God was such in 2003 that I guarantee you you're free. You need to start calling yourself free even though it doesn't look like it. It may not feel like it. it, it, it nothing may have lined up. But you know you've heard the story of the elephant who had the big shackle on his leg and all day long because he was shackled to the ground, he walked around in a circle because he was, you know, and because that's as far as he could go on that chain. And then one day they cut the shackle. But you know what he kept doing? Walking around in a circle. And the body of Christ is like that. Sometimes the shackle's been cut and we hadn't figured it out yet. Or maybe our body hadn't figured it out yet. Or maybe our brain hadn't figured it out yet. And we just don't feel, we don't feel that freedom. Maybe freedom didn't feel like you thought it was going to feel. But I guarantee you a work has been done in the body of Christ and you are free. I can tell you, all my bills are not paid off. In, I mean, literally, I mean, I'm still getting them in the mail. But I know I'm free. I know it's done. It's done in heaven. It's done in heaven. The God's given the okay on it. Hallelujah. Now, I don't know how long it's going to take to translate from heaven to earth. But bless God, it's done in heaven. And I'm telling you, I'm expecting. I'm expecting like never before. I'm calling my house paid for. And I guarantee you I have, ha I've been, I have a paid for house. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And I don't know. You know, we've been having... Um, God's really been on the move this last week. Even amidst Christmas and all those things, just had some time to... I don't know how, but it seems like... Oh, God can give you supernatural rest. Because, I mean, just worked hard Monday and Tuesday, 
and getting ready for Christmas and Wednesday just cooking, cooking, cooking and Thursday just cooking, cooking, cooking and Friday just got up that morning and de-Christmasized our house just as hard and fast as I can get it out of there. I love it so much but it's like the next day it's like bless God this is over. Let's get rid of this stuff. So it was in the attic by 2 o'clock it was gone. You couldn't tell we'd had Christmas. Amen. And uh, But I don't know just... Then Friday afternoon and evening and, and Saturday, I don't know. It was such a supernatural rest in our house. I can't, and just revelation has been coming this week. And um, I told our prayers this morning, angelic activity in our house. Um, I know there's been angels in our house, unless you tell me you've been there. And if you have, I'm going to say, why and how? And because um, I was looking for a set of tapes that some a friend of mine two years ago just came to a meeting we were having here that one of those pastors prayer meetings and without us even asking I mean she just showed up with a bundle of six tapes and said I just ran a copy of these thought you might want them it was somebody I'd never heard of and I'm like oh well you know because I'd never heard of them and it was Andrew Womack is who it was and so uh, I listened to him and I'm like why have I not heard of this guy those was the best tapes oh I'm telling you it was food and they were old tapes like in the 70s and you know and it was food I'm telling you it was good and so I listened to him and and then I put them away, and I think I talked to Pastor about you ought to listen to him. I don't think he ever did, because, you know, we just get busy with other tapes and stuff. And uh, so I put them up, and then I, and so um, I know the Lord wanted us, me to know and to start feeding from this man. And so about two months ago, and well, actually, before that, I'd think, I need to get those tapes out. And then about two months ago, I thought, where are my tapes? And I started looking for them. And every place I keep tapes, could not find these tapes. And so uh, this week, early in the week, I go, I, oh, I asked Pastor if he had them. If he, no, no I, I don't think so. I said, well, could you have put them in an album? Could they be up in the tape room? We have a room that's just full of tapes of our collection and uh, up there. And he said, I don't know, they might be. You know, but no, we didn't do anything. Well, early this week, a tape was laying on my desk. Andrew Womack, tape four of the series. And I asked him, did you put that Andrew Womack tape on my desk? Did you find it? No. So I didn't think a lot about it. You know, I just thought, oh, well, you know, it just turned up. So the day after Christmas, I go in there. Two more Andrew Womack tapes are on my desk. <laughs> tape one, tape three, tape four. I asked him, I asked Pastor, I said, did you put these Andrew Womack tapes on my desk? He said, no. I said, well, where are they coming from? They are appearing on my desk. I believe angels are finding my Andrew Womack tapes. Now, if they'll just find tape two, and I believe there's either five or six tapes in the series. But anyway, I, 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 tell you, I believe in angelic activity. I believe we have angels in our midst. I believe they're helping us. I believe that they're speaking messages to us. Sometimes verbally like they did to Mary and like they did to Zachariah. And sometimes not, I think this is a nonverbal message to me. Amen. He's not. But they're, that they're telling me something. They're bringing me messages. I tell you, I feel like if they can bring tapes, they can bring money. You know, hallelujah. I, you know, there are, there are ships that have dumped money in the ocean that angels could just go down and get and just come lay it on Miss Debbie's desk and say, just pay off your house. Yes. Well, I mean, how do you think that that coin got in that fish's mouth? Somebody, I don't think fish think. If they thought, they wouldn't get on hooks. <laughs> right? <laughs> Proof that that fish wasn't thinking is he got on the hook. But, but I think an angel guided that fish to coins that had been dropped in the water. Ships that had sunk. And that fish put that coin in his mouth and was moved by an angel to get on Peter's hook. Amen? I don't know how you explain it, but that's how I explain it. Amen. Well, we're entering into a new era, a new. Don't we cannot judge 
what is happening now and what's going to transpire in 2004 by what has happened in 2003 and 2002 and 2001 and all through the 90s and all through the 80s. In fact, if you really want to judge it at all, which we shouldn't, because there's nothing, from what I hear people and men of God and women of God saying, there's nothing to be compared with what God's going to do in the last days. But if we want to compare it to anything, we'd have to go to the charismatic movement back in the 60s. And some of you, because, uh, and, and we might, I believe the 60s was a foretaste, just a, a little taste of what God was going to do. I know that some of you weren't there, and I was just kind of on the tail end, but close enough in there to hear so many things of what God did. And God moved in such spectacular and supernatural ways, nothing to be compared with what he's going to move in like now. But it was common in the 60s for the dead to be raised. It was very common. Miraculous healings were very common. Miracle, money miracles were common in the 60s and even in the Azusa Street era. That was a foretaste, amen, of what was to come. And then if you really want to go back all the way to the day of Pentecost was the, for, uh, was a, was the first taste of what was to come. And, and so the, the, there's been a uh, drought in, you know, in, the, in the 80s and the 90s. There's been a drought of the uh, move of God, although we've had little sprinkles of rain. You know, sometimes when you're a drought, it, it, you can ha you'll, your clouds will come up and you'll have sprinkles, but just to have the rain, you won't have it. And so we've, there's been drought in the church. There's no doubt there's been drought. Amen? But I'm telling you what. Hallelujah. What is it? It says in Kings, it said, he said, he said I heard to go tell Ahab, I have heard the sound of abundance of rain. I'm telling you, I've been hearing the sound. The body, not just me, you, the body of Christ has been hearing the sound. For years, the body of Christ has been prophesying and saying uh, what's coming. And, you know, Brother Copeland, uh, if you watch him on TV, he's been saying about 2004 that it's the year we've been waiting for. It's the year that's going to make up for all the rest. You know when the drought breaks, it, it makes up for all the rest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And thank God for the people of God that have hung on through the drought, who have just stayed on fire, even though sometimes, you know, we fought to keep our fire burning. But we've hung on and we've stayed hooked up. And hallelujah. Praise God. I want to tell you something, family. It's going to be good from here on out. It's going to be good. Amen. Hallelujah. So praise God for that. Turn to um, Joel 2.28. I want to read a lot of scriptures tonight, but... I just feel the Holy Spirit just continuing to get us ready for our speakers that are coming, get us ready to transition into the new year, although I believe God doesn't so much go by January 1. We do. But I believe He transitioned. Actually, back in the summer, uh, I don't know if you remember this, but I think we talked about it from the pulpit. It was I told Pastor, Pastor and I talked about it, and we talked about it with our friends. Transition was in the air so big. It was thick. And I remember us saying, man, one, it was like in July, one day it was like transition and change was in the air. It was so thick in the air you could feel it in the spirit as you prayed and, and so forth. And then in, in September, part of that transition was that Brother Hagen went on to be with the Lord. Several people, in, in, and the Lord had told us, he told me in prayer in early 2003 that, uh, uh, that some, lots of, there would be several people go on to be with the Lord in 2003, and several people did. I know Eric, Derek Prince went on to be with the Lord. Uh, uh, Bill Bright went to be with the Lord in 2003. Uh, several leaders, and you know, in early 2000s, Lester Summerall went on to be with the Lord. He was a, a major leader in the, in the Spirit-filled church, and and there's been a lot of those, and uh, but there was a trans. There's been we've been transitioning. Even Brother Hagen spoke in Winter Bible that this would be a year of preparation. It would also be a year of transition, and Hallelujah! It was a year of transition. And uh, in July, 
at Camp Billy Brim in her uh, newsletter in July, she said that at camp meeting in July, when Brother Hagen got up to speak, she, he was he was glowing, and she could see him, and and he she said. I said, oh my, he's been, he's been over in that other realm. He's been getting too close to that other realm. And you know when people get too close to that other realm, you know what happens? They end up wanting to go to that other realm. And so uh, he did and he went. But in her article this month, she wrote this, and I wanted to read just this part. It says, Sally, and it's talking about forerunners. Sally Thwaites, someone I've known and been associated with for 25 years, this is Billy Brim writing, telephoned to tell us this. In the early 80s, God tells his people things so far ahead. Hallelujah. Sometimes we don't realize how far ahead God prepares and moves and begins to move things. You know, it takes time to move people. You don't move people in one day. And so when you're praying for people, remember that. It takes time for God to move people. That doesn't mean he's not answered. Sally had taken a loaf of home-baked bread to visit to Sister Jeannie Wilkerson. Sister Jeannie is, was a prophetess of God. Brother Hagin would call on her at camp meetings lots of times. He, she is very trusted. As they enjoyed the warm bread and visited, Sister Wilkerson suddenly said, Don't be surprised when you see several ministers dying. Even ministers that we would say have a big name. They are forerunners. When one dispensation is drawing to a close and another is about to begin, there are always forerunners into the new dispensation. Like John the Baptist, he was a forerunner. These ministers were forerunners in this dispensation, and they are forerunners into the next. You will see the forerunners going on before the rest of the body, preparing the way. And when you see this, the next big event in the church will be the rapture. So that's something, isn't it? That's something. There's the, the forerunners, the people, hallelujah, glory to God. And transitions so happened, started happening in 2003. Hallelujah, glory. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And Pastor and I talked about that when Brother Hagen went on. We said, you know, Brother Hagen was the leader of that era. He, God told him, go teach my people faith. And when he went to be with the Lord, we, we, we actually, you, you'd think, well, oh, God, our leader's gone. But no, we stepped up to a new and higher level. Just like when Moses left, Joshua got to take the people in. Amen. And so it was just the same as that. Okay, so Joel 2.28. We're just kind of laying a foundation for all this. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days, women too, will I pour out my spirit. Hallelujah. That makes the Baptist mad, but it says handmaids, y'all. And it says, And I will show wonders into the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord. And then it goes on to say, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then over in Book of Acts, and we talked about this last Sunday night, but I want to say it again. Hallelujah. Uh, in the Book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 17, Jesus had told them to go to Jerusalem and tarry in the upper room until they received power from upon high, until they received the, the power to be witnesses. So they went to the upper room, and they tarried there ten days, staying in one accord, staying in unity. In other words, somebody didn't say, you know, I'm tired of this, let's go on, let's, let's call in for pizza to be delivered, or, you know, break the unity, break the flow. They didn't do that. They stayed in one accord. They stayed focused. They stayed in unity. And at the end of ten days, on the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost was fully come the, 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 they were baptized in the Holy Ghost tongues of fire came on their heads which was a supernatural sign to them and an empowering and they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance now much much more happened than that the the there was a, something had to be happening that they were acting drunk because Peter addresses the, the people that are coming up and saying, well, these people are, are, have been drinking. That's what they literally said. These people have been drinking. They're full of new wine. 
But Peter, verse 14 of chapter 2, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as ye suppose, not the kind of drunk you suppose. So they were acting drunk. But he said it's not the kind of drunk that you think, but seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that. This is that. And they, what is that? Well, he goes on to say, which was spoken by the prophet Joel. He said, y'all know the book of Joel, because see, they knew it. The Jews knew the book of Joel, what Joel had prophesied. And he said, listen, guys, this is that. That was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass when? In the last days. So Peter gave us a big clue that the last days started on the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago. That was the beginning of the last days. Well, so since then, ever since then, we've been in the last days. And so now we're in the last of the last days. We know the timeline. The clock's running out, folks. And nobody knows uh, the day or hour, but it didn't say we wouldn't know the season. It didn't say we wouldn't even know the year. It didn't even say we wouldn't know the month. It just said we didn't know the day or the hour. Amen. Now, I don't know if we'll know the month, and I don't know if we'll know the year, and I don't know if we'll know, but I know we'll know the season. See, our hearts are bearing witness. And you say, you know, the, the naysayers say, well, they've been saying that for 100 years. All my, I, I've heard my relatives saying, ever since I was a little boy, all my life I've been hearing them say that. Well, the reason they've been saying it is because it's true. Because 2,000 years ago, the last days started. So they've been saying, we're in the last days. We see, we just are so human we're so earthbound. We're so mentally involved with this earth that we think if you lived 70 years, you lived long. We think 70 years is a long time. My word, when I was a kid, I used to think from Christmas to Christmas was a long time. From birthday to birthday was forever. I didn't think I'd ever get to be 16. Now I'm ready to slow them up a little bit, aren't y'all? Because they're just click, 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 click. <laughs> and, and, and they go faster, don't they? It's click, 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 click pretty soon. You know, they're just, <laughs> hallelujah. Pastor said, you know, he's fixing to turn 51. And he said, you know, I was wanting to be 50, but I wasn't in a hurry to get to 51. Hallelujah. But that's tough. It's clicking by. Hallelujah. Amen. So we're in the last days. And he, uh, did I read all of that? And it shall come to pass, verse 17, in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. So all throughout the last days, he's been pouring out his spirit on all flesh. Uh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. See, we, we think about the charismatic movement, and we say, well, you know, that's when God really started getting revved up in the Spirit. But He's always had pockets of people throughout the earth. If you go back and read about in the 16 and 1700s over in Wales, and you hear about the, the Welsh revival, and what was his name? Evans, I believe. A man named Evans and the Welsh revival. And, and all the things, man, they had, the Holy Ghost was moving. The, uh, the, they were having supernatural miracles. And they knew, I, I sometimes think their commitment and their dedication put us to shame. The only thing is, they didn't have the same revelation of the Word that we have. And the reason they hadn't is, you know why they didn't? One reason only, not because God loves us more or anything, but the closer you get to the end of time, the brighter and brighter, the Bible says that the path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter until the full day. So we're just, we're, we're, we happen to be in 1990s and not, you know, we happen to be in these last, the light's brighter on the path than it was back in the 1700s. And, the, and so we've got a brighter path to walk on where the word is concerned. Amen? Hallelujah. God planned it that way. And you know, it's, it, it's, it's getting faster and faster. Uh, I, is it Charles Capps that says time is compressed? And you know, the path, the path will be so much brighter in 2004 than it was in 2003. And you know, we see that showing up even in technology. You know, how it took forever to get a computer here. 
But once we got them rolling, I mean, we are rolling them, aren't we? And they're nearly, you can go down and buy one and it'll be obsolete next month, practically. Because technology is, is keeping pace somewhat with what the, the, how the spirit realm works. Amen? And so this is the last days. It's the last of the last days. And, uh, and on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And, you know, some, sometimes people go, well, Miss Debbie says the prophets say. I don't know. Do we supposed to believe all that? Well, it said the prophets will prophesy. They're not just blowing smoke. Amen. It's for a purpose. It's to help us. And verse 19, And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. And the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. Now, I want you to turn over to Matthew chapter 13. Hallelujah, because we are in the last days. And we need to be able to recognize it. And we need to be able to understand it. And we need to be able to know it. And, and you know, one of the things that's going to cause us to be ready to, to, for 2004, and one of the things that's going to cause us to be um, get ready for good news is to recognize and know that we are in the last days. We ought, to have, we, ought, we ought to be very sensitive to the time thing that's going on and the timeline. Amen? And uh, um, so we are. Matthew 13, verse 37. This is such a major clue in, in the Word of God. And he answered and said unto them, and he's talking the, about his parable, the parable of the tares of the field. In verse 37, he, Jesus answers, and he begins to explain the tares of the field. And he said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. That is a big light turner owner. Big clue. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. And listen to this. This is such a major key. The harvest is the end of the world. The har That's how we know. How do we know a big harvest of souls is going to come in? It has to. Actually, that word world is supposed to be translated age. The harvest is the end of the age. Not the w end of the world. Because we know that can't be true. Because in, on this earth, there's going to be a thousand year millennial reign of Christ. But the harvest, and I looked it up in Strong's Concordance to see if what world meant. It means age. It means age. So you can look it up yourself. The harvest is the end of the age. That is a major clue. When you see large amounts of harvest start to come in to Father's barn, you will know we are at the end of the age. Now, we're not seeing it so much in America right now. But in foreign countries, there is tremendous harvest coming into Father's barn. In Reinhard Bonnke's meetings, uh, the, he's German and he goes to Africa. In uh, Jerry O'Dell's meetings, who is a missionary to... to uh, India, thank you. Uh, praise God. In, uh, in Brazilian countries, uh, Brazilian countries, one Brazilian country. Hallelujah. I'm not a big geography person, but hallelujah. You know the general vicinity down there. South America, praise God. In Korea, large uh, harvests, tremendous harvest coming into Father's barn. He's going to come in America too. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. I'm thanking God for the restoration of the church in America. Thank God for a godly president. That is so significant. Thank God that Saddam Hussein was uncovered. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Um, turn to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. Because we're talking about the end of the age. The end of the... the not the end of the world, but the end of the age. James chapter 5. And see, like that prophecy from Jeannie Wilkerson uh, talks about uh, when one dispensation or when one age is starts to, we start to change ages, we start to change dispensations. Uh, James, are, are, we, are we there? I'm not. 
James chapter 5. This Bible sticks together. James chapter 5, verse 1. Come now, you rich. We talked about this. That this is the the turn first. First, turn over. Let me. I want to prove this to you. First Corinthians chapter ten. Hold your place in James. Don't lose it. First Corinthians chapter ten. Mm, mm, mm. Help me, Jesus. Where is that? Thank you, Lord. Help me, Jesus. It's not in the same place in this Bible it is as it is the one beside my bed. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe it's 2 Corinthians 10. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Yeah, it is. Does the Lord want you to have this or not? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> well, hallelujah. Let me just, I'll prove it to you next week. How's that? Okay. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Well, go back to James, and I'll, I'm sorry about that. Hallelujah. I know it's in 1 Corinthians 10 or 2 Corinthians 10, or close to there, but I'll find it later. Uh, James chapter 5 Come now you rich I'm reading this from the Amplified Come now you rich people Weep aloud and lament Over the miseries The woes that are surely coming upon you Now this is talking to the unsaved Come now you rich people Weep aloud and lament Over the miseries The woes that are surely coming upon you Well what's one You know when the rich lose their money <laughs> that is the worst misery and the worst woe. Your abundant wealth has rotted and is ruined, and your many garments have become moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are completely rusted through, and their rust will be testimony against you, and it will devour your flesh as if it were fire. You have heaped together treasure for the last days. Now, that's important. You ought to underline that. You ought to underline anything that talks about the last days in the Bible because we're in the last days. You have heaped together treasure for the last days. And it says in the New Old Testament... afternoon or this evening I was actually looking for it here at the church but it, uh, the, the Old Testament says that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just and where is that pastor do you know I don't know anyway thought somebody might just know off the top of their head anyway but it, it, it does say that you look it up it'll do you good verse 4 but look here are the wages that you have withheld by fraud from the laborers who have reaped your fields crying out for vengeance and the cries of the harvesters have come to the ears of the Lord of hosts here on earth you have abandoned yourselves to soft prodigal living and to the pleasures of self-indulgence and self-gratification you have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter you have condemned and have murdered the righteous innocent man while he offers no resistance to you and then he changes and starts talking to us the church verse 7 so be patient brethren brethren means church doesn't it so be patient brethren as you wait till the coming of the Lord see how the farmer waits expectantly for the precious harvest from the land see how he keeps up his patient vigil over it and it until it receives the early and the late rains see uh, Joel talked about the early and the latter rain Peter talked about the 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 uh, the God pouring out of his spirit upon all flesh he talked about the early and the latter rain Joel talked about it now James is telling us he's saying brethren be patient 
See, we could get impatient in these last days, especially in the drought. We've been in a spiritual drought. Not that things haven't been good. Not that the God, I'm more blessed than I've ever been. I don't mean to indicate that. But to just see what we've heard and what we've dreamed and what we know has happened. You know, I've told the Lord before, I'm tired of hearing about Smith Wigglesworth's miracles. I want to see these things for myself. I believe them, but I want to see these things. And other generations have seen things we have not seen. And so uh, he said, though, he said, you need to be patient because the harvest has to receive the early and the latter rain. In verse 8, so you also be patient. Uh, what do we do while we're waiting? Establish your hearts. Strengthen and confirm them in the final certainty for the coming of the Lord is very near. James said it was very near. When James wrote this book, it was many years ago. I don't know how long ago, but probably close to 2,000 years ago. And, and so it was, and he said the coming of the Lord was very near. Well, just think how near it is now. Very near. It's in Proverbs. Proverbs 13, 22 says, The wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. Hallelujah. And see, it says here, Well, where's the wealth right now? It's in the hands of wicked men. That God has caused them to prosper. He's caused them to prosper for the last days. Amen? And he stored it up for the righteous. Well, how's he going to get it to us, Miss Debbie? I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't really matter, does it? I believe it. That's up. We need to believe it. We need to be patient and establish our hearts in that fact that we, there's going to be a great end time wealth transfer. I believe it's going to start in 2004. I mean, I think we've seen some dribbles of it. We've, you know, I've heard some testimonies in the body of Christ of some very supernatural things. I know there's a lady over in Birmingham who had some school, I believe it was school loans. And she just all of a sudden didn't know them anymore. I mean, she don't know how or why. It just, she just don't know them no more. I tell you, I mean, you know, and so we all thought, Y2K, that's it. Man, we're going to have a huge computer failure. We were all for it. Yes, yes, all the computers, you know, the computers are just going to, all the data is going to be lost. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, you know, that is, some of that is, I believe, is going to happen. We was talking to some friends of ours about how wicked credit card companies are. They are not, they are wicked. Not, it's not wrong, I'm not saying it's wrong to use credit cards. And they're a convenience. But when they charge you because you're one day late, and, and you know they've got their date due. It's due your, your due date is July 25th. Reading the fine print, 6 a.m. I'm telling you, that is wicked. That is wicked. That's wicked. They do everything they can. It's fraud. They do everything they can to trick you. And yet, we nearly, you have to have them. You know, Pastor went, and this was in the 80s. He went to Washington, D.C. with the farmers when the farmers were striking. Y'all remember when they drove their tractors to Washington? Well, Pastor was up there with the best of them. Hallelujah. All the billings, all the billings are farmers. And so Granny, Granny Ruby, who is on land, and Paul Paul Bill paid the way for all the billings boys, all the sons and grandsons to go to Washington, D.C. They bought all the airline tickets to send them to strike in Washington. And uh, so um, they had this big meeting that we went to, kind of a preparation meeting, I guess, to get the, the country boys prepared to go to Washington, the big city. And they said, leave your credit cards at home because it's a big, dangerous city and all this. Leave your credit cards at home. So he took a bunch of traveler's checks, left his credit cards at home. Guess what? Nobody will cash one if you don't have a credit card with you. You have to have one. 
It, I think it's the mark of the beast. If you can't do, you can't, you can't do business without it. So he's up in Washington D.C. with no money. So he has to borrow money from Lee Billings, that's his cousin, until he gets home and can cash his credit cards, just to eat on. He has to borrow money, cash his credit cards, cash his cashier's checks, traveler's checks. Thank you, Jesus. So, where are we? So, the wealth of the wicked is coming over to us. Amen? Uh, in, um, uh, wow, hallelujah, where do we go from here? Turn over to Matthew chapter 24. And this is another passage that has to do with the last days. Thank you, Lord. We need to keep up with this stuff. You know, sometimes we don't keep up with it very well because we don't have a very good understanding of it. So that's what we're trying to do tonight is give us more understanding and make it simple so we can understand. Amen. Um, <clears throat> In verse 4 of Matthew 24, Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. Now, family, we need to take heed in our day that no man deceive us. And there's two ways that we can take heed that no man deceive us. One of us, one of them is to under to, to stay in the word ourselves and to have a we ought to have a working knowledge of the word of God. I mean, you know, you don't have to know every jot and tittle, you don't have to know everything, but you should have some basic understanding of the word of God. So when somebody tries to make you drink Kool-Aid that's got poison in it you're not stupid enough to do it those people don't have any understanding of the word of God that would do something like that amen Jesus was the sacrifice he doesn't need another he was sufficient amen and so those are things that we can do another thing we can do that no man deceive us is what Jesus said to Peter he said pray that you enter not into temptation people that pray don't don't enter into temptation to the degree that people that don't do. They don't sin. If you're praying, you, you, if, I'm telling you what, when you're praying, and I'm talking, you're praying, when, when you hear that a pastor run off with a secretary and is having some sort of affair, you can say, that pastor got too busy to pray. And he got deceived. Now, we're not condemning, and we know there's forgiveness, but... You know, if we'll pray, we don't have those things. And in the, the Lord's Prayer, it said uh, to pray, uh, to ask, uh, huh? Lead us not, thank you, Kevin, lead us not into temptation. We ought to be, have you, when's the last time you said in your prayer time, Father, I ask you that I not be led into temptation. I ask you, Father, that you steer me around temptation today. If you work out in public, you ought to be asking God to steer you around temptation. Because there's people that if you are godly, you know, they just want to spoil you for the sport of it. It's a sport to them to see how many, you know, Christian men they can bring down. There's women that are like that. And it's up to us wives to pray. Husbands, it's up to you to cover and pray for your wife because none of us are exempt. You say, well, I'd never be tempted. The Bible says to beware of that kind of thinking lest you fall. You could be tempted, and we need to pray. And so he said that you be not deceived. Verse 5, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. Or actually, Christ means anointed. Saying, I'm anointed. I'm anointed and shall deceive many. Jesus said many are going to be deceived. Many will come saying, I'm anointed. Well, David Koresh, was he in Waco? I forget where all of them, yeah. He, he said, I'm anointed. People believed him. The, that Jones guy said, I'm anointed. And people believe him. The Mormons are saying, I'm anointed. And they believe him. The Jehovah Witnesses say, I'm anointed. Many, you know, you can say you're anointed. But if we know the Bible, we won't be deceived. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Well, that ought to get our attention right there. See that you be not troubled. We ought not, we're not to be troubled about war. 
And uh, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines, and we hear of that, and pestilences. Are, boy, we're hearing about flu pestilence. We're hearing about all sorts of pestilences, aren't we? Uh, what was that? Um, e. coli. That's a pestilence we heard about. Um, mad cow disease, pestilence. We're hearing about pestilence, aren't we? And earthquakes. We just heard about one this week in Iran. Earthquakes in divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrows, or actually should be birth pangs. And you know, this, we've been hearing about this for many years. Hallelujah. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and you shall be hated. Now, um, uh, this verse 9 uh, begins talking about the tribulation period, which we will not be here for. But we're here right up until the beginning of birth. We're in the birth pangs part. We're, we're here for the birth pangs. And he goes on down. Um, um, and let me, let's read that. And be afflicted shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. The, the, Christians that, the Christians that get saved, the people that get saved. See, there's people that have heard the word of God, and when the tribulation comes, they look around and we're all gone. They're going to say, well, and they're going to get serious about God. They're going to pray. I mean, they're going to turn their lives over to God, and they're going to be the Christians of the tribulation. And they're going to be highly persecuted. Now we see, you know, anytime you always will see this overlap. See, we see persecution for Christians in our day. That's overlap. I mean, the Jews said when the Holocaust came, man, if this isn't this is this is the this is the end of the world. This is the tribulation. I mean, you know, this is this is hell. That's what they thought. This is hell. And it was. We see the overlap. And we see Christians in other countries especially persecuted. I want to tell you something. No Christians are persecuted in the United States in a different way. We're persecuted because we can't uh, pray in schools. We are persecuted because we can't uh, talk, we can't have a, a Christian activities in school. We have separation of church and state. We can't put a, a nativity scene on the, step, on the courthouse lawn. That is persecution. That's a, a form of persecution. Amen? When we can't have the Ten Commandments on the, the, in the judicial building, and when they want to start taking, you know, ripping artifacts off the walls of the Supreme Court that have been there hundred, set two or three hundred years, they've been hanging there, and they want to rip them off because now we don't want the Ten Commandments in there, and so forth. Those are persecutions. Amen? And so we have an overlap of persecution. And uh, it says, They shall deliver you up to be afflicted, verse 9, and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my sake. You know, the United States is persecuted because nations hate us. And they, they don't hate us because of our world policy and our, uh, our trade policies. They hate us because of the gospel. They don't know that's the reason. They hate us because we're a light. They hate the Bush administration because he's a Christian. They don't hate him because of, of his policies. They hate, it's, the, it's the antichrist spirit that is at work in the earth, and they hate him for that. And they love to hate him. And there's a, a persecution. In, uh, that, I'm, hallelujah. Praise God. You know, and there's people, there's men and women in Congress. When something good happens, like I noticed some of them when Saddam Hussein got caught, they took credit for it. You know, they've been fighting him every step of the way in this war. And then when, it, when he caught Saddam Hussein, they took credit for it. Yes, we, we finally got that done. Yeah. And you know, that is, there's persecution because he stood up and said, I'm a born-again Christian. He stood up and said, hallelujah. That, and he prays. And he, you know, he, it's not just some rote prayer. I mean, you can tell. You can tell he knows God. We need to pray for our president and first lady more than we do. I mean, Miss Laura Bush, Miss Librarian, likes Harry Potter, so I'm. We gotta pray for her some more. But outside of that, <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> 
Well, take heed that you be not deceived. See, we kind of guard against deception with all that we have. And uh, it says, uh, You shall be hated of all nations. Why? For my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. There's false prophets out there. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Then shall the end of the age come. Or I don't know if which end that is. Because you know there's going to be tribulation saints preach, preaching the gospel. Amen? You're just going to be people getting saved in the millennium. We're coming back with Jesus and we're going to be... Pre you know there's going to be kids born in the millennium. They're going to have to hear the good news. Amen? Praise God. So... Um, Man, we gotta, we got to be ready for all this. And then he says, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness the world and to all nations. And then shall the end come, verse 15, when ye, hear shall, when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Now, um, uh, the abomination of desolation is uh, when during the tribulation period when the Antichrist is going to set himself up in the temple in Jerusalem and say I'm Christ or whatever but I want to tell you something we're seeing uh, um, the overlap now and we're having abominations in the holy place we're seeing abominations in churches now we see abominations going on in the holy place that's supposed to be dedicated to the Lord. We're seeing abominations now. And we talked to someone this evening. Man, I, I just, I want to say this. I want to say it. And we talked to someone today. And they, at their church tonight, are having a Christian magician. And the, the, this, are a Christian illusionist. I'm sorry. We'll just clear out the chairs and set up card tables and play gin rummy before we do that. And we ain't going to do that. I'm, and they're going to levitate the pastor's wife. And, I, and it's supposed to make some spiritual point about what you see is not... I'm telling you, that is an abomination. That is... These people are deceived. Uh, and, and this is not... This is not a, a denominational church. This is a spirit-filled church. We spent half the fall talking about how God hates m the magic arts and witchcraft. And those things are against God. And Jesus is, you know, that is a false anointing. That is not God. And p churches start doing those kind of things when they don't have the real stuff. When they don't have the real anointing anymore. If we don't see the real glory, and we get, we, we'll start bringing in false glory. Well, the Bible said in James for us to be patient. Amen? Don't be fooled by it. I don't care if you hear, I don't care, I don't care where you hear it's going on. If, the, the, if you the most awesome church you think is if you hear it's going on there I want to tell you something it is not God it is not God it is false it is playing it is an abomination it's bringing an abomination into the holy place now what's God going to do about it I don't know we live in a dispensation of grace he'll probably just forgive them and go on if I was God I'd turn the tables of the money changers over I tell you I'd be in there kicking butt right I tell you <laughs> hallelujah so that's why I'm all fired up tonight sometimes y'all have to take a little kicking just cause somebody else did something wrong that's how it is in families you know one kid does something wrong you know they all get a spanking my mom said her mom used to just line them all up and spank them all she said she figured all of them was involved somehow you know 
<laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hmm. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Well, glory. Thanks. So we're not going to be deceived. We're going to be patient. Now, you know, when God tells us something, we think it's tomorrow. I think it's next Sunday. I come to church every Sunday expecting the whole church to be full in the balcony too. I'm all, sometimes I have to just kind of shake myself to be patient, not to get, because I'm so expecting it that I nearly am like, well, what happened? Amen. I'm expecting the body of Christ to be on fire again, to be hungry again, to be, to be a, a hallelujah, glory to God. I know I heard a preacher say this week, it's not this way anymore, but this is how it's coming to be. It's going to be again. And he said he didn't, in the 60s, he didn't even take up an offering. He and his church was supporting him. In, no, it's not in the 60s. It was 1978. He specifically said 1978. He said his church... Uh, without taking an offering he did not draw a salary just spontaneous people bringing him stuff his church supported him to the tune of $6,000 a month in 1978 and it was a church of 100 people in 1978 do y'all know how much $6,000 was in 1978 if you think it's a lot now it was a lot more then I think my dad was making $1,500 a month uh, in 1978 and uh, we thought he, we thought we had gotten rich because we had been used to living on a school teacher's. My dad made seven hundred dollars a month teaching school when I was in high school. He was the educated. That's what the educated folks was making. And he went to work for a, a South Plains Feed and Seed and got a thousand dollars a month, and we was in high cotton. And then I think he, I don't know when he started at First State Bank. He went to work at the bank. I think they started him at 1500 a month or something like that. And you know, that was, that was pretty good. But $6,000, that's what he said. In a little country church in Colorado, in a town of 144, in a, with 100 people in his church, and that's not counting the side of beef and the, the pigs and the eggs and the fresh milk still warm that would be put in his car on Sunday morning. You want some of that? Well, y'all can just skip that if you don't mind. I like mine. I like mine. I don't like my, I like my milk not from the cow. From the grocery store. Amen. Hallelujah. No fat free, please. My kids say it's just tinted water. Hallelujah. But anyway, those that, that, that's coming. That kind of giving is coming back to the body of Christ. Hallelujah. And I'm not just talking about y'all. I'm talking about, folks, there's people out there in Tuscaloosa that need to give. Amen. Boy, there's a whole bunch of Christians that need to give. And that's not counting the, the wicked. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> but get ready for good news. We ought to know we're in the last days. We ought to know we're in the last days. We ought to know that time is short. We ought to, you know, when you know you're in the last days, you live life differently. You know, I think sometimes people think we do this because we don't that we're so backward or something that we don't have any other interests or anything you know that we but no there's something compels us we're in the last days it's not a day to be spending your time in playing in bridge tournaments I see I always wanted to learn to play bridge but I didn't I could do that boy I tell you what if I was a carnal Christian I could I could play bridge all afternoon and go to the ladies go to the country club with the ladies but I'm not going to I'm in the last and you say would you want to if I just let myself give carnal yeah I'm not but I don't, that's not that's not a best way to spend our time in the last days that's not a best way to 
and there's lots of things out there that are just not the best way. Now we do need we need things that 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 help us get refocused and help us rest our minds and you know we need things but we don't need some things and we have to discern the difference so we need to know if we're going to get ready for good news that we're in the last days we'll act different we'll do different amen 2004 uh, you have what you seek for it's not going to, Brother Hagin always taught us, it's not going to fall on you like ripe cherries off of a tree. The blessings of God. That's what he always taught us. See, there's a law of the kingdom that says you have what you seek for. Matthew 7, 7 says, He that asks, receives. He that seeks, finds. He that knocks, the door shall be open for him. You'll, you'll have what you seek for. You'll have what you seek for. You'll have what's precious enough to you to seek for. You know, there's a parable about the woman that, uh, the lost coin. And she swept and swept and swept and swept looking for that coin. See, it ought to be precious to us. Those, the revelation and the, the mysteries of God and the things of God. We just look and look and look and look. We come every Sunday looking. We're looking on Sunday night. We're looking on Wednesday night. We're looking in our morning, in the morning. We're looking. Amen. Because it's precious to us. Amen. Well, we'll close tonight. Oh, praise God. Um, I had that flyer. What did I do with it? I got to putting it up. Anyway, it was Joe Morse flyer. And I just wanted to say, you know, Joe is a man as such. We've known him for so many years. And family, he's got such integrity in his ministry. And he is so loving you I don't really need it I just was gonna I was what I was gonna say about the flyers is they're laying back there take some of them and give them to some people invite some people he has integrity in his ministry and in all these years Joe is so